You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Chapter number six, Mark chapter six, and we started a series entitled Summer Baggage. And you know, in life, we don't want to carry these around. It's one thing to carry it around when you're going somewhere, you're excited about going, you throw things in, preparation. You get to the end of where you're going, you're going back home, you just sort of throw everything in just to get it home. And then, then you get home and you want to unpack it. You want to get rid of it or put it where it needs to be because you're not planning on carrying these around. In life... Too often there are things that we carry around that we shouldn't be carrying around. As a Christian, there's things that the Lord has done for us that has released us. It has broken those bonds. Those chains have been broken. But you know what? We can entangle ourselves again. There's all kinds of things that we can tangle ourselves up in. You know what? As a believer, we want to be able to serve the Lord without having all of this baggage. We looked at forgiveness that first week. You know what? When there's unforgiveness in our life, it's a big bag to carry around. And what happens is everybody keeps opening it up. And stuff just falls out everywhere. It's ugly. So forgiveness is a big deal. Last week, as we were looking at, what did we talk about last week? Does anybody remember? Sorry? Yes, pride. Pride is a bag that we don't want to admit we have. We think it's one of these little small ones. But it's probably the biggest one. It's probably the one that will slow us down more than any other. Pride. You know, in, our, in the Christian life, it is a life of faith. It's a life of faith. Hold your place here in Mark. And I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And verse number six. Familiar passage. It's one that many of you could quote. It's one thing to quote it. It's another thing to live it. Let's read this together. You ready? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. All right, let's, let's read that part again. You ready? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. God wants us to trust him. Faith is trust. Faith is believing. Go to Romans chapter 1, verse number 17. Romans 1, 17. Martin Luther was reading through this as a priest and as he was reading through this as a priest, 
the reality of the saving gospel arrested him. And the Reformation took place because he went out of there recognizing that faith and salvation was in nobody but Christ. And so, uh, so Romans 1.17, uh, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It's just an expectation. God expects his people to live by faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. All right, so this correlation, it continues in our daily life, not just in our salvation date. It continues in our day-to-day life. Uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Again, that trust. But you know what? Faith has an adversary. Faith has an adversary. Faith has an antonym. A word that means just the opposite. And faith, that antonym, is unbelief. Faith is belief. The antonym is unbelief. Distrust, disbelief, doubt. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. So here we all want to please him, amen? We want to have faith that is real. Not just something that we put on, not just something that we portray, but that is a real active part of our daily life. Faith. But we have a bag that we carry around. And this bag that we carry around keeps stealing our faith. And you know what that bag is? Fear. Lord, I trust you, but well, I'd follow you, but I don't know where you're going. Lord, I want to stay in control. And there's something about fear that robs people of their faith. And so this morning, we're going to look at that area called fear. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, the truths that you have uh, given to us in your word and the ability to uh, look at it and, and to be able to apply it to our life. And so this morning, uh, from the pulpit to the pew, Lord, all of us have need. And Lord, there isn't a one of us that doesn't have fears in our life. And I pray that you would help us to grow in this area of faith. And Lord, may we follow you when uh, that faith is hard to grab a hold of. Help us to trust you. So bless now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. In 1944, there was a Dutch family 
who was busy trying to help protect the, uh, the Jewish uh, families from the uh, German occupation, uh, from the Nazis. And uh, this family uh, was arrested and everybody was uh, eventually lost their life except for uh, one lady, uh, one of the daughters, and her name was uh, Cordelia. Cordelia, they called her Corey, uh, her and her sister uh, Betsy, they were taken in and put into Ravensbrook. And Ravensbrook was that infamous concentration camp where thousands upon thousands lost their life. Corey goes through and she not only experienced, she survived the Holocaust. Days before her release, and her release was completely a clerical error, she was never supposed to have been released. Something happened clerically. There is a God. And here she was released, but just days before that, Betsy, her sister, died. And after the Holocaust, Corey Ten Boone traveled the nation. And she told the stories. And she told of the grace of God. She experienced some of the greatest tragedy that a person could experience. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Yet, she survived. She made a statement and I want to read this quote to you. You can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. You know what, that's a, that's a, a quote worth grabbing a hold of. You can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. And this lady, she found herself in that spot. And I am not saying that any of us want to be in a spot like that. But what she said was she found that Christ was everything that she needed. And no matter what the turmoil, no matter what the burden, no matter the heartache that you and I face, Christ is all we need. Christ is all we need. It's not a person, it's not uh, a possession, it is, it is the person of Christ that we need. And uh, she experienced that and she was able to survive and succeed, but it was because of her response and her recognition of who he was in, their, in her life. There was fear, but there was faith. There was faith. This morning, we may not be experiencing a holocaust like she experienced, but as I look around the auditorium this morning, and as I know those that are, many of those that are watching online, there are people that are going through some major battles, struggles in their life. And I want to tell you, that fear, don't let that fear of the unknown rob you of your faith. Our faith is going to be challenged. And so often it comes in the form of fear. I want you to go back, Mark chapter 6. 
And let's look at this. I've got about 43 points to, this morning. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, but I do have uh, a lot of points and uh, a lot of notes here. We'll, we'll try to uh, get through this to be a help and a blessing. I want you to see, first of all, look at verse 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent the people away. Now, uh, we've got to remember here, in this passage, the Lord had just performed the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Can you imagine that miracle? That's an amazing thing. The, the, the disciples here, they were a part of that. And now uh, the Lord is, is going to send them away. And, and now he is telling the disciples, get in the boat, go to the other side. Uh, and he is going uh, to send everybody else away. The Lord is going to go spend some time in prayer. Uh, I'm sure that these disciples were exhausted. I am sure that uh, they are beat. Uh, on one side, they are as tired as can be, but it was a good tired. You know, sort of like a good tired after a big day. You know, we have a big day at church and uh, you, you see a lot of people say vacation Bible school, have a lot of things going on and it's a full week of events and you finish the week and you're exhausted, but it's a good exhausted. I'm sure that that's where they were. There was a spiritual high, but also a fatigue that was there. And we see the Lord say, and straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. You know what? If we are going to live according to faith and not unto fear, let me tell you, get in the ship. Get in the ship. The safest place for you to be is in the middle of God's will. Just because you stay on the shore does not remove the problems. They're still coming. Get in the ship. Get in the ship. Uh, here the Lord is constraining them. Hey, listen, I've got something for you. Get in the ship. He constrained them to get in the ship. You know what? It's the same way with salvation. At some point, you had to get to the point where you decided, I am going to trust Christ. I'm going to take that step of faith, and I'm going to trust the Lord. And you have to get in. Let me tell you, the water's fine, isn't it? As a Christian, come on in. The wa water is fine. If you're not saved this morning, there's no greater need that you have than the need of salvation. Get in the ship. But there is a battle that we're going to fight. And in the middle of God's will, you will still have a battle of fear. Somehow we get this idea, well, you know, I got saved and I thought the Lord was just going to take care of everything. He is. He just doesn't always take care of it the way we want it taken care of. His ways are not our ways. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And here we have to get in the ship. We need to be in the ship of faith for salvation. We need to be in the ship of following in our service. We need to be in the ship of fervency with our sacrifice. Uh, and with that is God's will for us to trust him. But we have to get in the ship. He's not going to put us there. He constrained them. He was urging them to get in the ship. 
If you're contemplating trusting Christ as your Savior, get in the ship. Get in the ship. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you know what you have to do? You have to keep getting back in the ship, don't you? Not that we lose our salvation, but there's a continual choice of whether I'm going to put myself in a vulnerable situation to follow him. So get in the ship. Number two, oh, before I go to number two, they were given an instruction to go to the other side. And that, that instruction was literal, but the Lord doesn't give us details on his itinerary. He didn't tell them what was coming. He knew what was coming, but they didn't. That's where it comes back to faith. That's where it comes back to trusting. But without faith it is, without faith it is, oh, I can stay here all day. Without faith it is impossible. It's impossible to please him. So we've got to trust him. Get in the ship, number one. Number two, just because you can't see him doesn't mean he can't see you. He constrained them to get in the ship. They left. He stayed on the shore. You know, the Lord still sees us. He knows everything that we're going through. He knows everything step, every stage uh, in our life. Look at verse 45 again. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side uh, unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. Uh, And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. What are those next four words? And he saw them. You know what? I highlighted those words in my Bible. He saw them. You know what? There's coming a time in your life where you're facing a burden, a battle, and you don't know which way to go, and you're thinking, is it worth it being in this boat? And he saw them. His eye is still on you. If his eye is on the sparrow, his eye is on you. And he saw them. He knew exactly where they were. Just because you can't see him doesn't mean he can't see you. Uh, The Lord was on shore and they were in a ship. His feet were solid. Their feet were shaky. He was stable and they were in a storm. You know what? The Lord's got it all under control. You know, there is no storm that can make his feet unstable. There is no ship that is going to toss him. He's got it under control. Now, there are situations and circumstances in our life that will toss us all over the place. But when we come and we put our faith in the Lord and we trust him, realizing that whether I can see him, he can still see me. He knows where we are. Uh, He was stable. They were in that storm. He saw them. And when fear arises, let me tell you, he sees you. 
When fear comes and says, you need to uh, quit, do, quit serving him. Can you really trust him in this area of life? Let me tell you, you can trust him. You can trust him. And don't let that fear rob you of your faith. He knows what you're experiencing. He knows the fear that you face. He knows the feeling of lack of control. Have you ever been out in the open sea? You know what? In the open sea, a big boat seems awful small. Deb and I, one time, we were going across from Washington up to Victoria, uh, and we were going across on a ferry, and this ferry was over 200 feet. I think it was a 250-foot ferry. We got into the middle of the Strait of Juan de Fuca, and we hit a storm. And literally, that, that ferry, we were looking down into the water and into the sky, and then we were looking water, water, and then looking at the sky, looking at the water, people were puking everywhere. They had these steel posts about every six foot. And people would be in a seat, but they did not have seat belts in these seats. They were those plastic hard seats that you would just slide off of. And if you were trying to get to someplace more stable, uh, people were falling all over the place. They'd grab onto one and then they'd try to get to the next one. And I don't know how many times I had somebody in my lap. And uh, I didn't want them in my lap, but I had them in my lap. Uh, and it was, just, it was just this continual thing. And a 250-foot boat that holds I don't know how many cars, uh, I mean, it was just being tossed all over the place. Uh, and here, you know, when something like that happens and you have absolutely no control, it gives you some fear. You know, in life, we want control a whole lot more than we, we would verbalize. You know, God doesn't owe us an explanation. He doesn't owe us anything. Everything that we receive at the hand of God is blessing. But here we, we find ourselves sometimes they are in the middle of a storm and he saw them. They were toiling. Uh, they, were, they were trying to get the other side. They are doing everything they can. The Bible says they were toiling in rowing. So here they are in the middle of this and they are trying to just do whatever they can to get to the other side. They're in this storm. I can imagine they're toiling and they're rowing and they're not going anywhere. Seems a little futile but they were right where the Lord wanted them to be. There was a plan. And here, this, this toiling and rowing, uh, and in your faith and in your service for the Savior, there is going to be some time of toiling. And there are going to be times where you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. 
You just keep toiling and rowing. You keep doing what the Lord has told you to do. You keep following that last uh, command, that last order, that last leading. And in doing so, what we'll find is there's blessings that, that will come from that. Uh, and that life of the believer is to be a life of faith and trusting him. And don't let that, uh, that faith, uh, that fear steal us from our, our faith. So who said that, the, that serving the Lord was going to be easy? We don't find that in our Bible. But it's almost presented that way. It's almost like serving Jesus is easy. Well, if serving Jesus was easy, everybody would do it. And there are a lot of people that don't. Why? Because there's a battle that we face. We are in a battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we are in a battle. Uh, and uh, so when we serve the Lord, and, and it's, a, it's a blessing, we get to look around and see people who have just kept on serving the Lord, kept on toiling, even in the storms of life. You know what that does? That shows the rest of us that it can be done. They, keep, they are living that. I watch people serve the Lord who seem tireless in their serving, uh, and, but they're not. They get exhausted and they get overwhelmed and they get frustrated and they even get fearful, but their faith does not let them quit. Their fear does not rob them of their faith. So we see here that just because you can't see him doesn't mean that he can't see you. Uh, next, uh, he is coming. He is coming. Look back at verse 48. And he saw them toiling and in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking on the sea and would have passed them by. The fourth watch of the night, the Lord was coming. He was coming. He was uh, he, uh, the fourth night, uh, uh, fourth watch of the night. He cometh unto them. The fourth watch. You know, the Lord's timing is always perfect. Now we look at the first watch of the night. Uh, so the, uh, uh, the, the Jewish clock, uh, everything started at six o'clock. So 6 a.m. was the beginning of the day. 6 p.m. was the beginning of the night. So the night, uh, the first watch of the night would have been six o'clock to nine o'clock. And then from nine to midnight would have been the second watch. Midnight to three would have been the third watch. And now you have... 3 uh, to 6 a.m. So it's in the fourth watch of the night. Now, I'm not quite sure what time they had dinner over there on shore with the feeding of the 5,000, but it sounds like there was a whole lot of rowing going on for a whole lot of time. And it may not have come in that first watch, and the Lord may not have showed up in that second watch, and he didn't show up in that third watch, but in that fourth watch, he was there. We want him to show up right off the bat. I want him to show up and just fix everything. I'm ready for the rapture. I'm ready for just the Lord to come back. And it's not going to fix everything down here on the earth, but it's going to fix it for me. 
That's going to be a good day. It's going to fix it for, for, for those that are saved, for believers. Uh, it's going to get us out of here, and I'm looking forward to that day. Uh, but, but with that, in our own personal life, we want the Lord to fix everything right away. We want him to answer our prayer the first time we pray it. Matter of fact, we want him to just know what we want, and even if we don't pray it, we want him still to take care of it. But here, uh, the Lord, he is coming, and he is coming. He came in the fourth watch, not the first watch, uh, but he is coming. Uh, he, uh, hang in there. He is coming. Uh, he is always in time, and he is always on time. Number five, his appearing might not be how we imagined. His appearing in our storm might not be as we imagined. Look back at verse 48. And he saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. And when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wonder. Uh, so here they're fearful. When he showed up, it added more fear. They thought he was a spirit. He didn't show up quite like they were anticipating. You know, the Lord's presence isn't always calming. You know, when the Spirit of the Lord came to, or the angel of the Lord came to uh, Mary, or the, the shepherds, one of the first things was, fear not. He went to Mary what was it? Fear not. And here with the disciples, they saw him walking on the water and they were fearful. Uh, and so they were fearful. They misunderstood his appearance. You know, we don't always understand how the Lord appears in our life. You know, the Lord's presence in our life isn't always going to show up how we imagined it. Sometimes the Lord is going to use circumstances. Sometimes the Lord is going to use people. Sometimes the Lord will just use his word. But he wants, he is going to engage in our life. And his appearing might not be how we imagined it. Uh, his appearance might bring fear. It did with these apostles. Uh, and that, that presence, uh, the presence, his presence will bring peace. It doesn't always calm immediately, but he will bring peace. The Bible says, and the wind ceased. The wind ceased. He can bring that storm that we face that brings so much fear, he can bring it to a calm. We just got to trust him. We have to trust him. Sixthly, I want you to see lastly here, verse 52. And they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Fear hardens our heart. Fear 
hardens our heart. The Lord tied their fear to them not trusting the miracle-working God that was on shore. He tied it together with them not believing and remembering what God has already done in their life. You know what? When fear comes, you know what we should stop and do? We should start remembering all the miracles. We should start thinking about what the Lord has done in our life. Uh, salvation. Uh, are you saved this morning? You know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. Uh, the blessings that the Lord has given you in your life. We need to remember them. The miracles that you have seen and how God has done things that were just unimaginable and how he provides and how he protects over and over and over again in our life. We have experienced God working in our life. But when we are in the storm, we forget everything that he's done. Fear hardens our heart. When we're in the storm, we hear the, the wind, we see the storm rage, the waves, and then we just wonder, Lord, where are you at? Well, Lord, you take care of everybody else. And we in fear start doubting and our faith is removed. Why? Because our hearts are hardened. Do you know what remembering does? It stirs the heart. How many of you have a photo album? All right. Maybe it's a digital photo album now, but you have a photo album and you flip through those pictures and what happens? It, it brings back all the emotion of those events. You know what we need to have is a spiritual photo album. We need to have an album that, that we have ingrained in our mind the blessings of God. Uh, get a notepad out and just start writing down some times where God was very close to you and God met needs in your life and he answered prayers that you had. Uh, he saved your soul. He worked in your family. Whatever it is, those miracles, write those things down. Why? Because you're going to need to remember them. You're going to need to remember. Why? So your heart is not hardened. And here in this one storm, the, look at, the Lord looks at these apostles who had just participated in a miracle of over 5,000 people being fed. And now he looks at them and says, your heart's hard. Your heart was hardened. Why? Because you remembered not the miracle. The fear of the storm caused you not to remember how good I am. Your fear caused you not to remember how powerful I am. Your fear caused you to forget how I can meet every need that you have. I just want to hang on to it, though. And we just keep having our baggage, and we find ourselves being slowed down, whether it's small, whether it's big, but it's a bag. You know, as a believer, the longer you have been saved, 
these bags should be getting smaller. We're talking about faith. We're talking about trust. And if we are to trust the Savior, we should trust him more now than we did when we got saved. That trust should be growing, not diminishing. You remember when you got saved and the Lord would speak to your heart on something? Whatever you want, Lord. Now it's, well, you know, how's that going to affect my life? How's that going to affect my future? How's that going to affect my finances? How's that going to affect my family? How's this going to affect all of these different situations? And we try to figure God out. We're not supposed to figure God out. God is a God that we cannot figure out. He is infinite. We are finite. We're just supposed to trust him. And as we are living a life of faith, we are going to deal with fear. But let's not let that fear rob us of our faith. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. You know the needs of each person here today. And Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to grow in our faith. And Lord, help us to recognize that uh, that fear uh, just steals our faith away. And I pray that you would help us today. There are people that are, that are dealing with uh, fear. They are in a storm. And uh, Lord, we're not minimizing the storm or the hurt or the fear, uh, but we do need to magnify our faith in you, our trust in you. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'm saved. I'm a child of God, but I'm in a storm. And I, I'm facing some, some fear in my life. And my faith is being challenged. Pastor, pray for me. The Lord's been, he's been, he's working on my heart. I see your hand. I see your hand. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can see the storm. You can see those clouds billowing up. Not sure what's going to take place. Don't let that fear cause you to doubt our God. You're here this morning. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest need that you have is a need to trust him. You say, Pastor, I have accepted Christ as my Savior. I am a child of God. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I died, I'd go to heaven. Just slip your hand up just as a testimony to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can put your hand down. Maybe you're here this morning and you do not have that testimony. You do not have that assurance. You're not sure if you died right now, you'd go to heaven. You're concerned about it. You want to get into the ship. You say, Pastor, that's me this morning. Pray for me. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you, but I want to pray for you this morning. Pastor, pray for me. I, need, I don't know the Lord is my Savior. I need to accept him. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you this morning. Let me pray for you. Anyone like that this morning? Now, Father, you know the needs of each heart. I pray that you would help us in our own faith. Help us to grow. Help us to trust you. So work now, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. Let's stand together. The instruments will continue to play. If the Lord spoke to your heart, you come. Maybe you need somebody to pray with. We have some men down front. If you're unsure of your eternal destiny, you come. We'll have someone take the Bible and show you what God has to say about you going to heaven. Maybe you got in the ship. The ship seems a little out of control. We just got to trust him. Faith or fear?
thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.